My name is Dave Rowland. I'm representing Ms. Katie Gatewood in this matter. Um, the crucial issue in this case is that the Board of Impeachment for the City of O'Fallon was an incompetent tribunal. This is established by any number of federal precedents. Uh, the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment forbids members of an administrative tribunal not only to prejudge the cases they are called upon to decide, but to give the appearance that they have prejudged the case. Now, I recall a Supreme Court of the United States, a case in the city of Hortonville in Wisconsin, where they held that, that it, is not, uh, there, it is not biased reversing the Supreme Court of Wisconsin for saying it, that the, uh, uh, the city council was biased in ruling in favor of, of uh, the school board and the teacher fight. I'm so your, the proposition you just stated is black letter due process law. I have some familiarity to know it's not, it's not clear, still clear at all. Well, I'm not familiar with the facts of that case, Your Honor, but the standard that is repeatedly articulated in uh, federal case law is that um, the question is whether a disinterested observer may conclude that the decision maker has in some measure adjudged the facts as well as the law. But if of you talk about inherent bias, financial conflict of interest, any case that doesn't that doesn't distinguish Hortonville, in my view, is unsound, because the Supreme Court surprised a lot of people by saying no, just because just because the administrative decision maker has an obvious financial or other other reason to support one side or the other, does not violate federal due process. Well, Your Honor, again, I'm I'm not familiar with that case. I don't believe it was cited by either party. No, nobody uh, ever cites it. Um, perhaps we would have additional briefing on that case. No, because I don't think I don't think this issue is significant because everybody missed uh, the fact that, that the Middlesex factors were the wrong abstention analysis here. Well, Your Honor, the, respectfully, um, this and, court and has held directly. I, I, you probably did, did. Did you happen to come across? Uh, November 2022 decision 375 uh, Slane Road versus some a village somewhere in the Eighth Circuit following a 2018 case, which said that in in Sprint versus Jacobs, the Supreme Court told us all that they really mean it. That Middlesex is the second tier of abstention, younger abstention analysis. As far as I can tell, nobody nobody brought that to the district court's attention. And so the entire focus missed the first step, which is to find what's called a NOPSI category of eligibility. And I suspect there's not one here. Well, Your so Honor. So that means that the whole focus of abstention is by the boards, as the district court finally, and I think, came to realize. Well, Your Honor, I, I, I disagree. Because in Yamaha, are you familiar with with the? I have read that case. Yes, Your Honor. And and no. So what what category did this fall into? Uh, it falls into the Yamaha Motors versus Riney category, that which was, said that, that was a Middlesex case. It said that where there is an incompetent tribunal. Right. Yes, but but you see, you win you win under NOPSI on abstention. 
because there is no category this is not criminal and i don't think it falls within category two it certainly doesn't fall within category three and therefore the district court's preliminary abstention ruling was in error led into error by lawyers who didn't didn't cite the current law so we don't we we don't have to get to the incompetent tribunal which is a which is an alternative defense so to speak to to abstention so we I say go right to preclusion and and uh, exhaustion. Uh, Your Honor, those issues have not been briefed. I'm not prepared to argue them today. Um, and respectfully, I think that Riney well, is the quicker decided. way to resolve the issue. They were decided. Uh, I mean, if, 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 if an appellant doesn't argue the basis of a district court decision, I, I think we affirm Typically, I, 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 we, we certainly don't say brief it again, and we don't say district court do it over and tell them again what to appeal. Respectfully, Your Honor, this court's decision in Riney controls. The, a, a competent state tribunal is a necessary predicate to abstention. There is no inco- or there is no competent tribunal in this case that's been but, but demonstrated this, this, by the record. If there was no abstention order then the district court would have had to sort out what what the Supreme Court in, in Sprint and Nopsey said you've got to do, the heavy lifting of figuring out when a case is pending in both federal and state court, and the federal court has an unflagging obligation to, to satisfy its jurisdiction. Who's on first? Who goes first? And now, and now the whether there was a competent tribunal or not, and in particular whether the competency and, and bias of the tribunal could be raised as a federal due process issue in state court becomes highly relevant. Well, Your Honor, that's the way these things are. That's what the Supreme Court is telling us. There's nothing wrong with the same issue, federal issue being pending in federal and state court. It doesn't matter how important it, the issue is under state. It can be family law. It can be zoning. It can be all kinds of things that are essential to state government. But if there's a legitimate federal issue, it comes to federal court and it sits there while the two courts figure out Alphonse and Gaston, you know, who goes first. Your Honor, I that would to me welcome... Is, that's what this is all about, this case. I would welcome a decision that remains to the district court to address the matter uh, on that but, rationale. But the, the court did. It, it said, you know, it said, I don't have to wait for anything. The, the, court, the court abstained well, and yeah. then dismissed well, the first, on the basis if, of race judicata. abstention was appropriate, this is, this is essential to whether you dismiss or stay. Absolutely essential. I mean, I wrote that 25 years ago. Your Honor, I, I, I want to reserve some time, but, but there's no dispute at this level about whether dismissal or stay was appropriate once the abstention order was entered. The question is whether abstention was well, appropriate. The district court in the, thought there was. But, but that hasn't been challenged on appeal, Your Honor. No, it didn't have to stay because it decided on, on the merits. 
it said race judicata, and race judicata is not available where there is an incompetent state tribunal. A, a necessary predicate for race judicata or preclusion well, is that... Well, isn't the court's, the ultimate decision was that you didn't pursue the remedies you had before the state. Is that correct? There was, there was no decision as far as exhaustion of remedies. Um, we made a decision that we wanted this case decided by federal court. We have a right to have the federal constitutional questions decided by a federal court, particularly when the state tribunal is incompetent. And the district court decided she would abstain from addressing the constitutional questions at that point because we insisted on remaining in federal court. She dismissed the case. And our argument here is that either as a basis for abstention in the first instance or relying on race judicata or preclusion, the fact that the uh, that the state tribunal was incompetent means that the matter needs to stay in federal district court. And again, well, the, well who, who said it's incompetent besides other than your advocacy? Uh, the, the very words from, well, we, we cited a number of federal cases that are very similar. Antonio, yeah, you've, never, you've never read Hordenville. I mean, you know, you, you, you you threw out some cases, most of them in the circuits. Um, that are Including friendly, that are two Eighth Circuit cases, that's one of which is fine. very closely on point. Yamaha Motors, Your Honor, is almost directly on point. It would, the district court abstained, the state tribunal made its yes. decision, it wasn't appealed into the state courts. We, we adjudicated the, 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 uh, incompe the, the incompetence. Or, yeah. And the record here shows incompetence, Your Honor. If but that's, one, that's if your, only one. That's your, that's your opinion. I mean, that's what trials are for. Uh, I, I, I wanted to reserve time to for rebuttal, but counsel will give you one minute for a rebuttal if you. Thank you. Desire. Mr. Inglemeyer. Thank you. May it please the court, my name is Tim Engelmeyer, and I represent <coughs> Bill Hennessy, the mayor of O'Fallon. I will also be speaking for the other O'Fallon entities uh, named in this matter, including council members Hinman, Kuhn, and Kling. The positions and arguments align for purpose of the purposes of this appeal, so I'll be speaking for all of those uh, defendants in the lower, lower court. For the most part, we stand on our brief. Um, I really don't have much more to add uh, than what we've included in our writing for your review and consideration. I think uh, the comments even on the, uh, by, the by this court uh, uh, kind of pattern what we have put in the brief. Um, I will, however, try to stress a couple... Did, did anyone cite Minnesota Living Assistance versus Peterson? The I don't district believe so. Court? I don't believe so. So that the court was led astray on the on the abstention issue analysis from from the get go. The uh, I don't believe that's in our in our. Uh... No, it's not cited in the briefs on appeal. Okay, but that that case is four years old, and in in this three seventy five slain, I just said, as we said in the prior case, the Supreme Court taught us in Sprint v. Jacobs that it meant what it said in Nazi. And there's a new, a new abstention sheriff in town, so to speak. And the comment, the Supreme Court, in my experience, 
has done this more than once in abstention analysis, a, a, a way of looking at it that federal lower courts get comfortable with lasts for 15 or 20 years, and they take a, a second look at the federalism and all the issues involved, say, no, we're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna change, we're going to shift course, horses. And now the pundits all run out and say, oh, my God, what does this mean? And if you don't, if, if you play in the abstention pool and don't understand that history, it's very, you can get trapped. I also would like to point out to the court that the abstention order that was, that was entered in this case at the district court level was also lifted. The, it was also what? Was lifted. Uh, if you look at, um, if you look at. Well, yeah, but it, well, it was. It wasn't I, I the think basic. That, I think the district court by the end understood that the, the stay versus dismissal aspect of a dispense, dis, of an abstention order that it considered sound under Middlesex, which I think it probably was, um, it was a different, uh, events had, had made that a different question. I think, I think the, if you look at, at the court's order, though the district court's order, they do lift the abstention. If you look on our, it's, it's do, uh, document number six in Eppley's uh, appendix. They, she clearly lifts the stay and decides this case on preclusion, preclusion doctrine. She decides this case on race judicata and collateral estoppel. This case I don't is, think that was lifting the stay. Well, if you look um, here, I, I've got the, um, the actual order here. Yeah, I'm looking. Well. It says that the stay is lifted and that um, and further briefing was ordered, or we were ordered to answer the amended petition. So in, if you look at the decision, Judge Fleissig's decision rests, rests firmly on, on race judicata and collateral estoppel. But she recognized initially that normally when younger abstention means you dismiss. She did, but there was but some. She never did that, and, and and that was prudent in my view. I think so because there were issues that remained, such as the issue of damages that I, I believe were still lingering out there. The initial well, the administrative process wasn't done. Right, the administrative process still had to play out. But I believe that if you look, if you look at Judge Fleissig's decision, it's it's it's. It's, the decision is made on, on uh, race judicata, preclusion issues, not necessarily the abstention doctrine under... under Specifically, what precluded the court from... What, what question was answered and by what Well, I, I think it was uh, race judicata uh, 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 was the decision that judge... Um, what, was, what was race judicata? Well, in the, in the January 27th order by Judge Fleissig, uh, the district court provides appellant a roadmap on the appropriate way to proceed with a review of constitutional complaints. And she said, Gatewood is free to renew her claim of bias in the state review process, which is the most appropriate forum to do so. After that, um, Gatewood deliberately chose not to take that road. Instead, she let the, the time deadline lapse for a state review. Uh, once that 30-day time frame lapsed, the matter becomes a final, unappealable judgment. And I think that's where the race judicata comes in. It is a final, unappealable judgment once that 30 days lapse. I think it was the case that was before you a minute ago where you, where you, where you said that... But it's a state. It's an administrative order. Well, it's an administrative order, but the appeal through the uh, Administrative uh, Act for the state of Missouri 
mandates that an appeal from an administrative decision is taken to the to the court in the circuit in which it sets the state court in which yeah. it sets so and that would, time came from well, came had, in, that, had that time frame elapsed it had so they didn't appeal it they did not appeal it so and that's, that's why, why i think it's tricky whether it's preclusion or exhaustion Yes, I, I, we argued race judicata preclusion prevents them from bringing this to the district court, basically asking the district court to overturn an impeachment decision that was done at the state level in a state administrative proceeding with safeguards in place, by the way, to have this decision reviewed. We can sit here and talk all day about how unfair and how biased every, everybody was. The issue before this court is where do you take those complaints? Those complaints need to be taken to the state court for determination, not the district court. Judge Fleisig recognized that. Judge Fleisig points it out over and over in her decision that the appropriate place to, to argue those the forms. The Supreme Court is communicating that district courts don't have to make that determination. They can because of the application of federal law and the, and the preservation of rights under the federal constitution uh, enjoin uh, an unfair uh, uh, proceeding when the council or the body making that decision is blatantly uh, incompetent. Yeah, and that's, I think, where Mr. Rowan refers to the case out of Arkansas, the, Arm, uh, the Yamaha case, the Riney case. But it, it, I think Judge Fleisig took note of the process that was in place for this impeachment. And she followed those elements. Number one, representation by council. Everyone was represented by counsel in this in the underlying case. Number two, the opportunity for discovery. The parties dis conducted discovery and depositions, all allowed under the, the Administrative Procedure Act. Number three, witness examination. Gatewood's counsel had every opportunity to examine, cross-examine each and every witness at the trial. By consent, video uh, depositions were played at trial. Live well, the, the question wasn't about the evidence that was in front of the decision maker, it was that the decision maker itself was compromised based on prior declarations uh, with respect to the determination to be made. And I think Judge Fleisig made a de decision at the district court level that that, you know, even looking at the, the Arkansas case, uh, the Yamaha case, the Riney case, that in that case, there you have to analyze whether or not there's a, a, pu a pecuniary or a financial interest in the decision maker. That's what was evident in the Riney case. There was no such pecuniary interest in this case. Um, also, the, the right for a review, a, 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 a comprehensive review of the impeachment proceedings, is that available at the state level? It certainly is, in this case, available at the state level. Instead of taking advantage of that review, um, Gatewood just skips over that entire process, goes directly to the district court for review of this, uh, a state case with important state interests. So I think that's what uh, Judge Fleisig focused on, and I think that's what she made the decision on. But y Yamaha only cites Younger and Middlesex. Yes. And it has a footnote saying it's not clear whether this is a third Middlesex factor or whether... It, it uh, is an extraordinary circumstance outside Middlesex. Yes. That's where the analysis changes under NOPSI. Right. And yeah. under NOPSI, if, if you don't get to the Middlesex factors, you don't, you don't apply younger abstention. And you have to go to the merits of the federal case or enter a stay 
under equitable federal equitable principles while a state proceeding goes further. And I, I don't think your I, I think your brief agrees that that's pretty much what the district court did. I also I also would like to stress that Judge Fleisig's order, final order dismissing Gatewood's case, uh, I believe. It lifts the abstention. It lifts. It lifts the uh, the younger abstention that she, that was entered, and it's decided on preclusion doctrines. Um, and I think those preclusion doctrines really rule. I think um, uh, an issue that we haven't gone over. If you would give me maybe thirty seconds, um, if you look at Judge um, Judge Fleisig's decision, it's based on preclusion doctrines. The points relied on, the argument, everything that's in. Uh, the brief submitted to this court by Ms. Gatewood focuses on uh, younger abstention, and that abstention was improper in this case. Well, that's not what this case was decided upon, and I think that's you know that, that that's very important to note that for an appellate court to try to address error in the court below it, it needs to look at the exact issue of why the case was dismissed, and the case wasn't dismissed necessarily. On abstention doctrine, it was dismissed on collateral estoppel and race judicata. Thank you, Mr. Inglemeyer. Thank you. Mr. Rolla, we'll give you a moment to, a minute to uh, re give your rebuttal. Your Honors, both the decision to abstain from considering the merits of Gatewood's constitutional claims and the decision to dismiss on the basis of race judicata presumed that the state tribunal was competent. You asked for specific examples for why it's incompetent. Uh, we have prejudgment of the issues, express prejudgment made in public that would allow any reasonable observer to understand that the, uh, that the members of the board had already drawn conclusions. Uh, Mr. Kling said outright she lied. He said that he thought she owed a duty that Mr. Lauber himself said that she did not owe. Um, he tried to recuse himself. The mayor would not let him. Uh, then Mr. Kewen not only called Ms. Gatewood the worst council member he's ever worked with, uh, he also said it was the biggest no-brainer in the history of no-brainers that she violated the ordinance that they were supposed to be sitting in judgment of in the impeachment hearing. That is a biased statement. Any reasonable observer who heard him say that would understand he had prejudged the very question the impeachment hearing was supposed to be resolving. If even one member was disqualified from that panel, the entire panel was invalidated. The results were invalid under Yamaha versus Riney. Thank you, Your Honors. We ask you to remand this matter and to have the district court address for the first time the constitutional questions of whether the city's action violated Ms. Gatewood's due process rights or her rights under the First Amendment. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Rowland. Appreciates both counsel's participation and argument this morning. We'll take the case under advisement and continue to study the law and the arguments.